how that the Jewish Pharisees lived one way, they, they tried to keep God's Sabbath law, but they were not interested in becoming ministers of mercy to people. They, didn't, they did not want to be ministering agents of God's mercy. Jesus also taught them a lesson in humility, a lesson we all could learn. Don't think of yourself higher than what you should. When you, when you come, he, he watched them jostle over seats as they were coming in there, and they were trying to get to that center seat because it was the important seat. And as they jostled around trying to get that seat, Jesus says, don't put yourself in an elevated position, but put yourself in a low position because he that is humble, he says, Jesus says, the Lord will, will, will exalt. He that is abased it will, be, will be lifted up. We need to have the mindset of humility. We need to have the mindset of living this life and being genuine. Can I tell you one thing this world needs? It's just people being genuine. Genuine about Christ, I'm talking. Genuine about serving Christ. Not, not it's just, well, it's a Sunday kind of thing, but man, it's a Sunday through Saturday kind of thing, and I live my life for Christ. The world needs that. The world is starving for that. This morning, we look at the final two lessons that Jesus taught from the table that have nothing to do with food. And in verse 12 through 14, you see the next lesson. It's going to be a lesson in hospitality. Hospitality. Why are you serving in the positions you are serving here at this church? If you're not serving, man, I encourage you, find somewhere that you can get involved. A lesson in hospitality. Look at verse 12 of Luke chapter 14. Then said he also to them that bade him. He's speaking to the master that invited him here. When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, nor thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also bid thee again, and a recompense be made thee. You can underline that word recompense, be made thee. But when thou make a feast, makest a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, speak to our hearts as only you can. Thank you, Lord, for the songs that we have heard that have pointed to you. Thank you that you are here working in our midst. I pray that we would worship you right now as the sermon is given, as the message is presented. Help us to take these lessons and apply them to our hearts. Help us to be more like you. If there's someone here that doesn't know you as the Lord and Savior, may today be the day of salvation. We praise you for what you're going to do. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. A lesson in hospitality. He looks at the man who invited him and said, Hey, uh, you need to not just invite people who can do things for you. Jesus knew something about the culture, something you and I need to know about uh, the culture in this time, that they oftentimes, especially the Pharisees, would invite somebody over to the house for one or two, one of two reasons. The first reason is they were invited previously by that owner, and they feel that they have to recompense or repay that that owner, that, that master of that house that invited them, they have to repay them, so they invite them over to repay a fee. Or it could be the opposite. It could be he's inviting somebody over in hopes 
that somebody's going to invite him over and treat him the same. And both of these motives are selfish. Both of these motives are not in line with Christ. So they invited uh, people uh, to, in a way of repaying them or as a means to get invited to a dinner themselves. He was trying to put under obligation those who are in attendance. You know what he was saying? Hey, now that you've come to my house for dinner, when am I coming to yours, your house for dinner, right? He's saying, now that you've come here, I need to go to your house. Or, hey, since you invited me to your house, that's why I've invited you here. And Jesus says, don't, don't call your friends, your, your brethren, your kinsmen, your rich neighbors, unless they also bid thee and a recompense be made. In other words, unless they give to you what you've given back to them. Don't let your service take place because you think and I think that someone is going to return the favor to us. We serve Jesus Christ. Jesus is the, addressing the idea of reciprocity. The idea of exchanging, in this case a dinner, with others for a mutual benefit. Reciprocity. Hey, because I did this, it needs to be reciprocated back to me. And Jesus is now telling them, this is not what you need to be doing. Do not do these things so that the same things would be done for you. This lesson's good for us today. Let's face it, we're selfish people. Would you all agree with that? We are selfish individuals, and sometimes our motives, the reason we do things, are not in line with the Word of God. Sometimes our motives are, what can I get from this situation? If I'm nice to this person, if I invite them over to dinner, if I take them out to dinner, what can I get from them? If you're like me, you probably have thought that way before, because that's our mindset. But that's not a mindset that is in line with Jesus Christ. I love what Ephesians 4.32 says. It says, be ye kind one to another. Then it goes on to say, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Why do you do what you do? When, when you are nice to somebody, when you are kind to somebody, when you are cordial to somebody, is it just so they'll scratch your back? Are you doing them a favor so they'll in return do you a favor? Let me tell you, you may do things for people and they may never ever say thank you here on this earth. You may never get a thank you. Will you continue doing what you're doing? You may never get a thank you for doing the, the, the countless hours of work you do at a volunteer at church. Somebody may never come to you and say thank you. Or, hey, let me do something for you because of all these things. Listen, we need to do things without the expectation that it will be done for us. The kind of mindset that says, I will do for you only for what I can get in return is a pharisaical mindset. It's one of the Pharisees. Warren Wiersbe says this, Jesus does not prohibit us from entertaining family and friends, but he warns us against entertaining only family and friends exclusively and habitually. That kind of fellowship quickly de degenerates into a mutual admiration society in which each one tries to outdo the others and no one dares to break the cycle. Our motive for sharing what God has done in our lives should not be the applause of man. 
It should not be so that somebody will pat us on the back and recognize us and do the same thing unto us. We do things for the glory of God. I worship you. Talking about God. I don't worship any of y'all. I worship God. When you only do things for people that, you, that can return the favor, who are you glorifying? You're glorifying them. When, 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 when you do things for the people who cannot return favor, Jesus says that you and I will be what? Blessed. How many of y'all want to be blessed this morning? I think we all would say, I want to be blessed. Do unto others and don't expect anything in return. Just be nice to people, cordial to people, invite them over for dinner and don't expect them saying, okay, by this time next week you should have me over for dinner as well. The motto, you scratch my back and I'll scratch yours, should not be found in the people of God. God wants us to have a genuine heart of hospitality. God wants us to give when the people we're giving to have nothing to give in return. This is what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary, right? Jesus gave something that could in no way be reciprocated. He gave his life. There is no way that I could ever, ever, ever pay him back. But Jesus did not put a stipulation on him giving his life. He didn't say, because I gave my life, you do this. He says, I love you, and I gave my life. And because I gave my life, we should want to do something for Christ. Amen? We should want to do things for him. If, if, listen, Jesus wants our broken hearts. He, he wants our broken lives. He understands you can never repay the debt that he paid. And he's okay with that. And Jesus wants us to have the mindset that when we do things unto others, let it be a lesson, don't expect things in return. That's what the Pharisees do. Jesus taught this lesson, but also lived this lesson out. How many times have we been guilty of only doing something for somebody because we think we're going to get something in return? Our world is full of people that way, right? Man, I'll, I'll do this if you do this. We even make conditions with God. God, I will do this if you bring me out of this. Or I'll, I'll, God, I'll, I'll go here if you'll do this to me. Listen, if you want to receive a blessing this morning, do something for someone who has no way of repaying you back. Do something for someone who has no way of paying you back. Do it out of the good heart uh, uh, that's in, in found in a Christ and in, in being a Christian, just do it because Jesus did it for us. And He's telling these folks right here: Don't just invite somebody that can that can pay you back. Don't just invite all those. But man, go to the poor, the lame, all those that cannot do anything. Invite them to your dinner. You know, we 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 that mentality. We we I'm only doing this for you in hopes of getting something in return should be thrown out of the church. One, one commentator by Stephen Cole, he said, true ministry out of Christian love serves and gives without thought of return. It isn't manipulative serving for what you can get out of it. As Christians, we should serve others out of the love for God and others. 
To go Jesus' way, you have to have your focus on eternity, not on the rewards of this life. You have to believe that God is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Often there are many blessings, he goes on to say, that come back on you in this life when you serve the Lord. But oftentimes, there is not any visible reward here and now. And if you're only doing things to people to be rewarded for it in the here and now, you've got the wrong motive. He goes on to say, you serve and no one notices. You give to, a, a, you give to help a needy person and you get ripped off. The person never ever says thanks. One test of whether your motives are right in your service for Christ is this. Are you hurt when you don't get recognition you think you deserve? Are you hurt when you don't get the recognition you and I think we should get? Let's face it, sometimes we are as human beings, right? If someone doesn't say, hey, you're doing a good job, you know, or they don't, they don't return the favor, we get upset. Another test is this, what is your attitude toward the poor and the hurting? If you're only willing to serve those who can pay you back or might later be able to advance your cause, you are using people and not loving them. And Jesus wants us to love one another, right? Be kind one to another, tenderhearted towards one another, forgiving one another, Love one another, not so that we can advance our cause. Don't use people, love people. Not anywhere in Scripture do you find evidence of Jesus using people for his cause. What did Jesus constantly say? I must be about my Father's business, right? That's what Jesus said, and he kept that in his mind, and he kept that in his heart. Stephen Cole ends, he said, any selfish motives in serving Christ are sin." If you have a selfish motive for serving Christ, it's a sin. Jesus is telling us in this passage of Scripture, He says, listen, when you make a feast, call the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind, and thou shalt be blessed. For they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed where? At the resurrection of the just. When's that going to take place? When the church is called out of here and we stand before Christ, and all those things that we did and nobody notices on earth, you know what Christ is going to do while we stand in front of Him? We will be given rewards based on what we did and no one said thank you for. Now, how many of you think that's a better reward? Because I, I sure, I do not want to be standing before Jesus Christ and be empty-handed because I got my reward here on earth. Because somebody repaid me here on earth of the things that I've done for them. But I want to stand before my blessed Savior who was pierced in his hands and his feet, who died on an old rugged cross. I want to be able to give something back to him and say, thank you so much for what you've done for me. You'll be blessed in the resurrection of the just. You may not get it now. You may not get a pat on the back, a thank you. You may not get a, hey, add a boy or add a girl. You may not get any of that. But don't let that be your motive for doing things. Serve when no one, you think no one's even watching you. Serve, serve, serve Jesus Christ. I'm not asking you to serve the church. I'm asking you to serve Jesus Christ. Because I believe when you serve Jesus Christ, you will serve the church. Amen?
When you serve Jesus Christ, you'll be willing to do what Christ wants you to do. You'll be willing to use in the church that, uh, in the church that he's placed you in. There's a lesson in hospitality. Why do you, what are the motives behind you doing things you do for people? Is it just to get something in return? If it is, it's a sin, and that sin needs to be repented of. God, I'm guilty of that. Forgive me. Help my motives to be pure. Help me to serve people because that's what you did for us. You gave and asked nothing in return. You died for all the world, and you didn't put conditions on it. He said, whosoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's what Jesus did. He didn't say, all those who, who could come and live a perfect life, I'll take you. No, he said, I'll, I'll take you if you're broken. I'll take you if you ain't got it all together. I'll take you if you got flaws. I'll take you. I just want your life. I just want your life. And he gives a lesson in hesitancy. And I think this is where we are in our world today. Many people have received the invitation to come to the dinner. But many have given excuses why they can't. Notice in verse 15, a lesson in hesitancy. One guy perks up because he hears the resurrection and that automatically goes to the feast where he's going to be with Abraham. The Jews believe this. Uh, it's going to be a messianic banquet, uh, which is important to the Jews. They, they viewed the future kingdom as a great feast with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and the prophets, and they would all be honored guests. And here's what it said. And when one of them that sat at meat with him heard these things, the resurrection of the just, he said unto him, blessed is he that shall eat in the kingdom of God. Now, what did Jesus just say? Blessed are you when you do something for somebody and they can't do it in return, right? He's now trying to correct Jesus Christ. <laughs> Who does this guy think he is? He goes to Jesus and, no, no, no. Blessed are those who eat in the kingdom of God. Those who eat bread in the kingdom of God, those are the ones that are blessed. And Jesus then corrects him and says, listen, many people have been invited to the feast of which you're talking about, and many people won't be there because of the excuses they give. He, he's, they are assuming, once again, that based on who they are and their lineage, that they are guaranteed a spot in heaven. Oh, we've done all these things, and so we are guaranteed this. This guy speaks up. He questions Jesus. Jesus begins his lesson in hesitancy. This first invitation that the Jews gave came in the form of the prophets and Moses. Did they receive or reject that invitation from Moses and the prophets? They received it. Then the second invitation comes, and that was from Jesus Christ. Did they receive or reject the second invitation? They rejected. So Jesus says, go anywhere you can, and bring them in. And that's, the mo that's the message he's really telling us in verse 16 through 24. He says, uh, verse 16, he said unto them, A certain man made a great supper and bade many. He sent his servant at supper time to say to them that were bidden, Come, for all things are now ready. And they all with one consent began to do what? Make excuse. We cannot do this. Now, let me just tell you something about a feast in, in, in Bible days. This was not something that was done like the day before, okay? No one called him up and said the day before and said, hey, tomorrow I'm having a feast. You're invited. Would you come? This was done weeks in advance, weeks and weeks in advance. 
The date would be known, but the time would be unknown. When everything was ready, then the second invitation would go out for them to come. And so what you have here is there was already an invitation been sent out weeks and weeks prior to this feast, weeks and weeks prior to this event going on, and most everybody that, that were bidden, were invited, had agreed to come to this day. Now, what did that mean? They needed to go to their calendar, however it looked back then, and they needed to circle two weeks from today, I'm going to be at so-and-so's house. He's having a great feast. So he would know that day to keep that day free. Because at any day, any time during that day, and usually it would be in the evening time, any time during that day, he, they could get the notice, hey, the dinner's ready. The dinner's ready. Come on. And so he sent his servant, verse 17, at supper time to say to them that were bidden, come for all things are now ready. Hey, it's, it's ready. The day's here. It's ready. And they all began with one consent to make excuse. The first said unto him, I bought a piece of ground, and I must needs go and see it. I pray thee, have me excused. You know what kind of excuse he's given here? Possessions. I have some things I have to take care of. Now, the love of possessions is something we all have on our side, but many people will refuse to go to the second invitation of Jesus Christ. They will refuse that invitation because they're too attached to this world. They're too much like Demas. Too much like uh, loving the present world right now. They love their possessions, and I cannot give that up to come to your supper. The first one said, I bought a piece of ground. I must go and see it. This was a weak, weak, weak excuse. Why? Because nobody would make this kind of purchase without first going to see it before they bought it. It would be very, 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 very rare to buy a piece of property sight unseen. Why? Because most... Most likely they're going to use this for farming or for uh, something they needed. And so they need to go make sure the land is actually what it needs to be. Is the soil good? And so this excuse of, I bought a piece of ground and I must go see it, is a lame excuse. It's of possessions. Wearsby says, in the East, the purchasing of a property is often a long and complicated process. Even in the good old United States of America and Tennessee, buying anything is a long process. Anybody ever bought a house before? Man, that'll test your marriage, right? My goodness, when you think it's done and you think, okay, this week we're closing. No, you get a phone call, say, no, we're moving, closing three weeks from today. And you just want, you just want to lose it. And so can you imagine the process this man is having to go through? It just did not happen today. He had the time to go look at this land. He had opportunities to examine the land he was buying. Anyone, Wearsby says, who purchased land that has never examined is certainly taking a chance. He also says that most banquets were held in the evening, and the man had little daylight left for even a cursory investigation. So this excuse is a lame excuse. And the excuse that many give of not following Christ because of everything that I will have to give up is lame. It's lame. It's not a good excuse. Listen, what this man did is he simply chose other things over the invitation. When people reject Jesus Christ, they're simply choosing something else over the invitation that was given. So Jesus is making a point to the Pharisees. You've been invited. 
But here you're giving excuses. The love of possessions is one of the greatest reasons people reject Christ. They feel that Christ is only a person that they need when things go bad. But when things are good, I don't need Christ, right? That's society. The the invitation has been given. The time is now. But what excuse have you made? He goes on and tells about another man. And another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and I go to prove them. I pray thee, have me excuse. You know what kind of excuse this is? You want to say it with me? Starts with an L, ends with an E. Lame. It's a lame excuse. Because who in the world would go buy five yoke of oxen without knowing they could do the job they, they were called to do? Now, five yoke of oxen, that's ten oxen because a yoke of oxen is two ox paired together. So this man, obviously a rich man, went to go buy some cows. And he's saying, I need to go first see them and see that, that what, what I purchased was actually a good purchase. How many of you think that was a foolish decision? I mean, you ain't going to get a good one. You're going to end up with a, with a mule that Festus had on gun smoke. All right, you're going to end up with that old stubborn mule because you just don't know what you're getting. A, a, a farmer who was going out to get oxen would make sure that oxen could do what it needed to do. He had land for that oxen to work on. This is called preoccupation. People today and in the day of Jesus Christ are simply too preoccupied to live for Christ. We've got other things to do, right? And that's the mentality that has crept into the church. We've got too many other things to do to serve Jesus Christ. Can I tell you this? I love you when I say it, but doing things for Christ is the only thing that matters. Amen, preacher. Right? At the end of the day, at the end of the day, all the work, all the play, all the recreation, everything that we enjoy in this life will mean nothing. Because you can't stand before Christ and say, well, you know, God, I, I, I was a good golfer. And I'm, I'm, I'm picking on golfers because I am one. Or I claim to be one. I'm not really a good one. God, I was a good golfer. You know what God's going to say? Maybe sarcastically, way to go. But that's not what I called you to do, right? Well, God, I mean, I mean, God, come on. I, I, got that, I got that one time I got a hole in one. I've never got a hole in one, but I, it's my dream. I, you know, I, I did this. God, I, I danced myself in, in this way or in this way, and God's going to say, I'm, I'm happy that you did that, but is that what I called you to do? The only thing that's going to matter when my body's laid into the ground and my spirit is in heaven, you know what's going to matter? The things that I've done for Christ. They're the only things that's going to last. They're the only thing that even matters. It's an excuse. Are we too preoccupied today to work for Jesus? The third excuse is still not a, it's still not a good excuse, and I would even call it a lame excuse. It's a personal excuse. He blames his wife. I mean, my wife won't let me go to a dinner. Now, I don't know how y'all's house is, but I know my wife would say, go to the dinner. I don't care. And in our day and age, my wife probably would come with me. It'd be weird for me to go to a dinner, but not in this day. The women didn't have high regards in this society, and so the man would go. And so he says this in, in verse 20, I've married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. That wife... I cannot come. Listen, I would love, love, love 
to come to the dinner. Man, I know it's going to be a good dinner, but I just, man, I got my wife here. I can't leave her all by herself. You know what kind of excuse it is? Lame. I'm sure his wife would have been just okay with him out of the house for a couple hours. Tell me out, wives out there, say amen. Yeah, right? Sometimes, hey, I know you, you're married to one another, but sometimes you get on each other's nerves. Amen? Oh, y'all got to help me out here. You, you get on each other's nerves. It's, personal space is a good thing. It's really good. I mean, it strengthens the marriage, you know. Absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? Sometimes it's good to get away and, and so go to a dinner. Don't let it be an excuse to say, oh, God, I can't serve you because of my personal reasons. It's, it's not a good excuse. Morgan said this, and I love this, and if you can write it down, write it down. At the back of every excuse is a lack of desire. At the back end of every excuse is a lack of desire. You know what that means? These men just didn't want to. They just didn't want to come to the dinner. Now, I believe this was going to be, I mean, he calls it a great feast. There's going to be a smorgasbord of food, right? I mean, this is going to put all church homecoming dinners to a shame. This was going to be the place where you could go and get all the food you wanted. It's going to be a good time. It's going to be a time of celebration. And these people, they didn't have desire. They didn't have desire. You know, the, the Bible gives permission for a man not to go to war for a year after he gets married. It never permitted the man for going to supper when he was invited. This is the type of people who use family ties as an excuse not to serve Jesus Christ. I need to be teaching my family how to serve Christ. You as a husband need to be teaching your family how to serve Christ. I believe what the Bible says. When God placed man as the head of the house, it wasn't saying that the woman is less superior. It's saying, man, you're going to give an account for how you lead your family. We cannot use family excuses why we don't serve Christ, but many excuses are given today, right? I can't serve Christ because what will my family think? And so they reject Christ. They reject the invitation because they're fearful of what their family would think. This would come to head maybe in a Muslim home. A person who was raised in that Muslim home, if they convert to Christianity, it's not good for them, especially in the Middle East. Sometimes our excuses just show a lack of desire. When we say, when we give an excuse, oh, I can't do that. Now, there are some, some good excuses. There are some viable reasons why you can't do what, something for Christ. But oftentimes, our excuse just shows a lack of desire. I'm not interested. This, this life, it can only be lived one time. We're not going to come back and have another chance. This life that God has given you right now, you only have one chance to live. Listen, the dinner's ready, but no one wants to come. It's kind of sad, right? So what, what's the solution here? The servant comes back, I'm sure he's distraught because every single person he's going to is saying, I can't come because of this, I can't come because of that. What does the servant do? He came back, verse 21, that servant came and showed 
his Lord these things. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city. Bring in hither the poor and the maimed, the halt and the blind. And the servant said, Lord, it is done as thou hast commanded, and yet there is room. Notice what Jesus says. And the Lord said unto his servant, Go out into the highways and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say unto you that none of these men which were bidden shall taste of my supper. You know what he's saying? Go get them where you can. Go into the streets, the lanes, bring them in, bring in the poor, the maimed, the halt, the blind. The streets, they're, they're the main thoroughfares in larger cities. The lanes refer to the narrow uh, warrens behind the great boulevards of a large city. This picture is the gospel invitation going out during this age to wherever people dwell. What he's telling the Jews right here, and it's got to be a dagger to their heart. Okay, we're going anywhere we can. Christ is now saying, I'm going anywhere I can. Since you are rejecting me and you give an excuse for not to be at the supper, I'm going anywhere I can. The master says, after he's come back, go out into the, where? Highways and hedges and compel them to come in. Bag them if you got to so that my house may be filled. The master had a great spread, but many people aren't coming. Those who had the invitation first rejected the invitation, and now the invitation has been extended to every single person. Can I tell you, that's what Jesus did on the cross. He extended it all. It's, man, it's good for anybody, amen? The invitation is good for you today. What excuse are you making that you can't serve Christ? The same command has been given today. Go anywhere and bring them in. I was talking to a pastor friend uh, a couple weeks ago, and uh, he, I was interested in the ministry that he was doing. And so I called him up and said, can you tell me about this ministry you're doing? And the ministry I'm about to tell you is, is not my, my own, but I, I would love to see it implemented here. He has a ministry called the Highways and Hedges Ministry. And this ministry is simply where he takes... Uh, Maybe there's 10, 15 people, I don't know. They jump in a van, and on a Sunday morning, uh, they get out of Sunday school early, and just before service, they go down there to the main road because he said where his church is, a lot of people don't know where they're at. We have that problem here at this church. You tell people where we are, and they get lost. They go over there to the old building because that's where it brings them to. And so they get lost, and they don't ever make it. Uh, So he says they have people standing uh, at... uh, major intersections, pointing them in the direction to the church right before church. He says he does this before any event that they're doing. There's, there's people holding signs. You know what I would love? I, I would love if, if, if somebody uh, were, to, were to take some signs and just hold them out in front of the street. Listen, you can be any age to do this. Hold them down there at Center and Eastman Street. Just simply says, hey, Temple Baptist Church loves you. This way to Temple Baptist Church, what is it doing? It's saying, hey, we're here. We're inviting you to come and be with us today. Inviting you to come and be with us today. And I, I would love to see uh, uh, driving down, down Center Street and a group of people from Temple Baptist Church holding up a sign and smiling and waving at people and saying, hey, you're welcome. We already have that out here. Uh, a lot of Sundays we have people out here in this parking lot. They're waving. They say, honk if you love Jesus. We're just trying to get people's attention. 
Why? Because there's a message they need to hear. It's not my message. I have nothing to offer them. But it's the good news of Jesus Christ that he died, he rose again to save them. And they don't have to go to hell when they die. They can live in heaven because of what Jesus did. And I I pray that you would uh, pray about getting involved in a ministry as such as the Highways and Hedges ministry, where you're just sitting down there inviting people to church. You're not talking to anybody. You're holding up a sign, and you're trying to point them towards Temple Baptist Church because you know the message that's in Temple Baptist Church in the Sunday schools behind the pulpit is going to be one that tells them about Jesus Christ. The point is this. We need to be going where the people are located. We cannot go out into the highways and hedges from within our walls. Amen? We have to go out into the highways and the hedges. And we have to compel them to come in. Pray about how you can get involved in outreach at this church. Listen, what can we take home from this passage this morning? Two lessons. One of hospitality. Why are you doing what you're doing? Is it just so somebody will reciprocate that to you? If so, that's a sin. Get it right. Get it right. The second one that we learn, maybe not, it may not go for you, but I think it is applicable to all of us, is this. We don't know how much time we have left on this earth. Time is running out. My, my grandma, my nana, just celebrated 90 years uh, being on this earth uh, last week, so I got to drive down there and see her on her birthday, have a birthday party with her and drive back. But man, God's blessed her life, 98, 90, Miss Joy back there, 98, God's blessed, God's blessed lives, and many of you, maybe 70, 80s, God's blessed your life. Then you read about a 17-year-old young man this weekend in Bluntville who lost his life. Life is quick. Life is short. Just because I'm getting gray hair on my beard doesn't mean I'm going to live a long time. It just means I got gray hair on my beard. Do you know what I need to do today? I don't need to waste time. I don't need to give excuses why I can't do anything. Because I want to stand before Jesus Christ and I want to hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. We have a job to do. There's many excuses that people give, but I see in this passage that there will be many who will accept the invitation if they're simply invited. I can't remember what statistics are, but I think it's over 50% of people that come to church come because they were simply invited by somebody to do it. Are we doing our job Are we inviting people? Are we compelling them to come in? Would you pray about getting involved in areas that maybe you're not involved in? Listen, I love this church. This is a a great church. I love the people of this church. But let's be honest, there's more we could do. Amen? There's so much more we could be doing. There's so many more pews that we could have filled. Not for the sake of numbers. I could care less about the numbers. But every person that walks in this this door 
has the opportunity to hear that Jesus loves them and to respond to that message. And I pray that you will take this serious, the job that God has given us to do. We're going to have a time of invitation. I'm just asking you to respond to the message, how, how God leads you this morning. And uh, just you and God have a moment this morning. That's all I'm asking you to do. Just spend some time with Him today in your seat, around the altar. Just spend time with Him today and say, God, how can I apply this to my life? Let's pray to Heavenly Father. Lord, thank You for this day You've given us. Lord, help us to understand our motives. Why are we doing the things we're doing? Is it to have the recognition of those around us? Is it for someone to say, hey, that's a good job to praise us, to reciprocate what's been done to them? Lord, I pray that we won't have that mindset. I pray that we will just do unto others, that we would be nice, loving, tenderhearted, kind, all one to another, that we would forgive even when someone hasn't asked to be forgiven, even when they didn't give us a formal apology, help us to forgive. Lord, I pray that we will not hesitate in serving you. Our time could be cut short. We may not have much time left on this earth, God, I pray that we'd be doing our due diligence to work for you. Lord, help us not to be hypocrites. Help us to be humble. Lord, help us to be hospitable. And help us not to hesitate. Bless this time of invitation. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand as Brother Wayne sings. You just follow the Lord's leadership this morning.